Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. We're talking, we, we actually read last week on Wednesday from the book of Hebrews, and we were talking about uh, in the chapter of 12 of and verse 1 and 2, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So tonight, we're gonna, I'm just going to highlight a few things here that we talked about last week. Um, there are times of, of endurance. There's times of... Uh, uh, discouraging times that we have to fight through. This chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, was written after the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which chapter 11 is talking about the hall of faith and talks about different people in the Bible that had, had faith and believed in the Lord. And a lot of great names that are in the chapter, chapter 11, and uh, and then when we go into chapter 12, it's kind of a summary and bringing things together concerning the uh, the great cloud of witnesses, which is those that have passed through faith. We here today, uh, you know, we do have in the Bible, in Hebrews, a great cloud of witness, not just in Hebrews and the names that are written there, but all through the Bible, there are people that have been uh, faithful to God, believed in God, and trusted him in very difficult times. And through those tough times, they endured. They pushed forward. They had faith in the Lord and trusted God in all things. So uh, because of that great cloud of witness, not just the names that are written in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, but throughout all time, even people that weren't, their names are not even written in the book, of the Bible. The Bible says that uh, some of the things that Jesus did, they couldn't have enough books to contain it all. There's miracles and wonders and great things that God had done uh, while he walked upon this earth, and there's not enough volumes of books that can contain it all, all the things that he's done. But even going back to people that their names are not even written in the Bible, even in our day, there are people of faith that have trusted in God, believed in God for great things, endured tough times, and those people are a part of that great cloud of witnesses that we can do this. We can endure. We can press through tough times. And we can, we can come out victorious because we believe in God. God has all power in heaven and earth. And he has this. So that's what we talked about a little bit um, uh, last week also. 
uh, the witnesses, those that have walked in faith. Uh, we also talked about laying aside every weight and the sin uh, that doth so easily beset us. Uh, not, all, not all weights are sin. Some things are weights to us that might not be a weight to somebody else, but if it's hindering us, we need to lay it down. And so we can walk with God. We need to lay it down and walk with him in faith, believing. Now, anything that's sin, of course, we definitely need to lay it down. Uh, sin will keep us from entering into heaven. But those things that are weights that are trying to hold us down spiritually, uh, we also need to get rid of those things if they are hindering us so that we can walk in the spirit in the presence of God. Um, it says, of course, those things that so easily ensnare us. Um, we need to lay all of those things aside. Uh, we talked about let us run with endurance. Uh, Paul in the Bible talked about uh, the race. How many here have run in a race? Raise your hand. Anybody run in a race? We've all run in some races of some kind or another. I know I've never ran in the Boston Marathon. I've never ran in the in the New York Marathon. I've never ran in the Bethalto Marathon, if there is such a thing. I've, ne well, I've never ran in it. So, But there is a race uh, that we call our race. We're running in is our race of running and living for God. Paul typed this as a race. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But it's a run with endurance in this race of life. So we do have people that have gone before us and have stood the test of time and have proven that if you put your faith and trust in God, you can make it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Um, the Bible says that God has set before you a race. God's got some things laid out for you. It's the race of life that you must run in. It's not an option. We just have to... In, endure and run in that race that is laid out before us um, and it will involve effort it'll involve commitment if we're going to run in the race of life and live for God it's going to take a commitment amen it's going to take commitment whatever we do but this race of living for God it's not just something that just falls in your lap and then it's it's just it just happens. No, it's a commitment, and it takes effort to live for God. It's not for wimps. It is an effort, but it's a good thing. The results of it are great. Uh, but being passive never runs or wins a race. If I get in a race and I'm passive about it, uh, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to end up going to the end. This race is not to the one that runs the swiftest. It's not to the one that that has the uh, track shoes and they're running the race and they're passing everybody up and running the race and crossing the ribbon first, if that's the case, then they're the only ones that get the prize. But here's the thing. It's to all of us to, that endureth to the end. We all get the prize of eternal life in the Lord. So it does take an endurance and it takes a commitment and it takes effort. Uh, endurance translates the ancient Greek word, uh, which does not 
mean the patience which sits down and accepts things, but it means the patience which masters them. In this race uh, and in this endurance, it does talk about the endurance is patience, but it's not talking about patience that we are in this endurance and race of life that we just sit down and just let everything accept everything that comes our way. That's not what it's talking about when you talk about patience. Uh, the endurance in relation to patience means that the patience is that we master things in our lives. We overcome things. We press past things. We fight through things. And there's some victorious times. And then there's other times you just got to get your hands dirty and get down and fight against it. Spirits. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting each other. Sometimes you might think so, but you're not. It's spirits. Spirits of hell that is trying to disrupt and disunify and destroy people's lives. So in that thought here tonight, um, we're not fighting flesh and blood, we're fighting spirits. Understand that. Always keep that in your mind because you have authority over spirits. You, you have authority to speak to spirits of Satan through the power of the Spirit of God and the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ and it has to fall down under that authority that not because we just automatically get authority it's because it comes from God in our lives amen it is a determination an unhurrying and yet undelaying which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected it's a putting one foot in front of the other an endurance of life every day we put one foot in front of the other and we walk with God and we trust in God and we endure because our goal is to endure to the end. I don't want to start this and live for God for so many years and then just give up and then in the end I've lost out, didn't win the race as far as getting to the end of the race and just throw everything to the wind and lose. I'm in this to win with God. The Bible says that the Lord is more than a conqueror. He said we're more than conquerors through Christ. He is a conqueror. So tonight uh, I want to read from the book of Acts chapter 20 and 24. Acts chapter 20 and 24. If you have your Bibles, if you can turn there. It, might, it will probably come up here shortly. Acts chapter 20 verse 24. It says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said this and Paul was picturing here he was picturing himself as a runner as a runner I remember in grade school 
probably the first time. I mean, I, I when I was in grade school, um, I used to uh, my my parents bought me some uh, tennis shoes that were that were black with white stripes on them, and these tennis shoes looked. You might have seen them before, but they looked just like the track runner shoes, but they didn't have the spikes on them. Anybody ever have those? Okay. Um, I remember lacing those things up, and at that time, I felt like I could run like the wind. And actually, compared to what I can do now, I was running like the wind. Uh, I remember uh, my in our front yard, we had the hedges down in the front of our property, and uh, there was the hedges went with the road, and then there was the ditch, and then there was the road. I would get down behind the hedges and with those tennis shoes on, and I would wait till a car would come down the road, and when they got up close to me, I would jump up and I would take off running as fast as I could because I was trying to beat that car. And many of those cars I beat, I don't know of any of them that I lost to. Of course, if they knew that I was racing them, they probably would have sped up and beat me. But those tennis shoes would fly with my feet in them, and they would fly. Um, I remember running in that race, but I, I was—I just wanted to win. I just wanted to—I just wanted to win. But I don't know what those people thought of me. Um, some little kid jumping up out of the bush, running as fast as he could down the road. Uh, fun times, fun times. But um, Paul pictured himself as a runner. He—he he pictured himself as not wanting to lose not wanting to quit. And I believe that we need to take on that, uh, that thinking, that mindset in our, in our race, walking with God and running with God. There's times that we walk, there's times that we run. Um, but he pictured himself as a runner who had a race, not just to run, but to finish. To finish. And nothing would keep Paul from finishing the race, not just finishing it, but finishing it with joy. Joy. It is a joy to live for God. Amen? It, it, it's a joy to live for God. There are so many blessings in the presence of God. It is a joy to run this race. Um, this race gets very, very, very difficult when we mix it with the flesh. It's the hardest thing to do when it's all mixed with the flesh. But if you walk with God and run the race with God with full intention of obeying his word and living for him, it is an easy race to run. It's a race that we can run with joy. Joy. I enjoy living for God. I love living for God. Uh, in this passage, Paul speaks of my course notice here it says so that I might finish my course with joy Paul said it's my course it's my race your race is your course it's your race my race is my race 
I've got to run my race. I can't run your race for you. You can't run your race for me. It, 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 we've got to run our own race. But that's what Paul was saying. He said, uh, he was speaking of my course, my race. He had his race to run, and we have to own up on our race. But God calls us to finish it with joy. It would be a terrible thing to get to the end of this race and not do it with joy. And not do it with a, 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 a joy in God. Just the, the most hardest thing to live for God because someone's forcing you to. Pastor's not forcing you to. God's not going to force you to. Um, he doesn't force us to live for him. But he does say, okay, this is what's going to bless you. This is how you're going to receive eternal life. He does say that if you don't live the way the commandments are, you're not going to receive the finish line and do it with joy. You're going to make it to the end and not be able to enter in. That would be a terrible thing to do. But the race that is set before us, I can look back now and I can see that where I've come from. You can look back and see where you've come from. Life, there's been some great victories, some happy times, some joyous times. Thank the Lord for that. There's also some times where we had, some, uh, had to make some pit stops. We had some flat tires. We had some difficult times. We might have blew out a, shoe, a tennis shoe. I remember there's times I blew out tennis shoes, ran so much, the sole would come off of them. Had to get some new tennis shoes. Sometimes we get into those places where things fall apart, but yet endurance keeps us going. I can look back at the past, and I can see where I've come from, and, and I can learn from the past. I don't want to go back to the past, but I can learn from the past. But the Bible says we have a race that is set before us, now, if the Lord told you what was in the race before you, you might have a difficult time. You might give up. You might see the victories and be excited about it, but you might see those times that things get tough, and you've got to commit, and you've got to endure, and you might uh, give up because you see those hard times. The Lord doesn't show us everything about the future for a reason. But there is a race that is set before us. Race is the ancient Greek word agona. It is a word used for conflict or struggle of many kinds. Race. It is used for conflict or struggle of many kinds and it was the favorite word of the apostle paul it, he spoke about the race quite often not necessarily always saying the word race but in the definition he applied conflict and struggle of all kinds but he used it quite often when you consider and you look at the life of paul when he talks about how many stripes were laid upon his back how many times he was thrown into prison? How many times he, he uh, was shipwrecked? How many times this and that? And he, he gives a list in the Bible and tells all the things that he's been through and the struggle that he's been through. 
But yet he also talks about the great victories that he's had. There are so many miracles, miracles that haven't even been recorded in the pages of the Bible of what God had done through Paul's ministry and his life and the churches that were started and the souls that were won and the lives that were changed and, and even going to Rome and standing before the leaders there in Rome. But he talked a lot about the race and, the, and, and even used the definitions of the word race, that Greek word agona, and uh, talking about conflict and struggle of all kinds. But it was one of his favorite words because he was talking to the people of that day and also to us that this race is going to be an endurance test. I remember in grade school, one of the first races I ever ran in, it was in a gym class. And I, it might not have been a race, but to us young guys, uh, to the girls, they probably didn't look at it as a race. They just kind of went around and talked to each other and talked about boyfriends and talked about this. Well, the guys, we were into this thing like, I'm going to be the first one to cross the finish line. I had that in my mind uh, when we started this, this race in, in gym class. But it was a requirement, evidently. That's what I was told. Now, it might have been some long story they told me but it was required for you to get your grade that you had to run around a certain length of the ground there at the school so many times and when you finish then you get your grade well I found out real quick that I had to really talk to myself to make it to the end because I didn't realize how I mean, the first round, yes, I'm going like full speed. I'm wanting to win this race. And then second round, it's a little bit tougher. Then I had to really press on, you know, and really work at it. And then the third time around, then I'm like, I'm, t I'm saying to myself, Mark, you can make this. You can do this. You got to keep going. Don't stop. You're not a quitter. Don't stop. And about the fourth time around, I think it took four times around, fourth time I really had to drag myself around that place I wasn't used I was used to sprinting I wasn't used to running these long races I thought man this is crazy I don't even want to do this anymore and and but I made it to the end but I had to talk to myself I had to endure to the very end it was a conflict within my heart soul mind to continue on or just quit it was a struggle but it was a race, just like what Paul was saying. It's the same thing when our walk with God, our race running with God, that God has this race ahead of us. There's some great things that are ahead of us. Great things, great victories, great powerful things. Even when you consider that there's some struggles and conflict ahead of us, those conflicts and struggles in this race that the Lord has laid out before us is going to turn into a victory. It is going to turn into a victory if you endure to the end. You know why I know that? Because the Lord said it in his word. Endurance. The Greek word was used many times in the scriptures by Paul in the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 30. It says having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. In other words, he was saying, you're having the same conflict which ye saw in me. 
and now here to be in me. But he was trying to point him out that I made it through this race. You saw it, you heard it, but I made it through. Colossians 2 and 1, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them of Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. What he was saying here is this race, I have, I have been in conflict, not just conflict, but he said great conflict I have for you. He's been in battle in the spirit for the Colossians and for the Laodiceans. He had been in conflict and struggle for them. It was a race that he accepted. It's a race that he fought and accepted it. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, uh, Paul said, But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. It's a, it's a race, it's a conflict, it is a struggle that Paul accepted. For the sake of speaking the gospel, even though it was with a contention, some received it, some didn't receive it, he said, I receive that conflict because I'm going to do it for the Lord and for you. You see, there's no telling what Paul went through in prayer and in battling in the spirit for souls, for the Colossians, for the Thessalonians, for the Philippians, for the Corinthians, for the, for the Romans, for on and on and on. It was a, a race that he accepted, knowing the struggle that he would fight. Let me say this, any time you reach a soul, it's going to be a conflict, it's going to be a struggle, it's going to be a fight. You know why? Because hell does not want to release what they have a hold on. But you know what? Hell has no authority. Hell, the devil has no authority when it comes to a child of God. That's the reason why the devil hates when you pray. He hates when you pick up the word of God and read it and study it and quote it and speak it out of your mouth and believe it because he knows he's defeated. He's defeated. He, he just does not want you to be able to walk in the spirit because he can't get anywhere with a child of God is walking in the spirit and he can't get anywhere with the people that are in your world that you're praying for that you're fasting for that you are proclaiming victory for your loved ones your friends your neighbors uh, the devil just does he hates it when you when a church prays when a child of God seeks the Lord, when a child of God fasts and prays, some things the Bible says, Jesus said it, some things only become but by prayer and fasting. When we pray and fast, the devil, he hates that. He doesn't want you to even think about it. 
He wants to fight you every moment of every day to keep you out of an altar prayer because he knows it's going to bind him. It's going to uh, uh, stop him from doing the things that he wants to do in people's lives. Uh, but, you know, the church needs to understand these things. We need to rise up. We need to rise up in the power of the word of God. We need to rise up in the power of faith. We need to rise up in the power of the spirit of the Lord and stand upon the word of God. It is our promise. But when we become passive in this and we just kind of forget about it and push it aside, the devil is so happy with us. He's so happy with a church that doesn't pray. He's so happy with a church that doesn't get into the word and quote the scriptures and read the word. And not just read it, but study it. Dig into it. The devil's so happy with a church that is just so caught up in the world. But he is scared to death of a church that knows how to get on their knees and pray and cry out to the Lord and speak and in, in tongues and feel the power of the glory of God and proclaim the name of Jesus and, and speak a word from the scriptures because there's power in that word. It binds the devil. He also said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith he could have just said, have faith. But, but he knew there's more to it than just have faith. He knew to have faith, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, he, he's, Paul's not passive in this. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Then he says, lay hold on eternal life it doesn't just fall in your lap lay hold on it whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses let me say this I know that there are people in this building that they would, they would if it was something that they really believed in they would fight to the end for it. Because I know you all, and I know myself. If it was something that was going to hurt my family, I would fight to the end for them. If it was something that was going to hurt our church family, I know, we would fight to the end we would fight the good fight of faith. You know why? Because we love our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We would fight. We'd fight for our family. We'd fight for our friends. We'd fight for our neighbors. We'd fight. And then he said to Timothy in the second book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. When we get to the end 
of our life on this earth it would be good for you to be able to say if, if it's true of course that I've fought a good fight I've finished my course and I've kept the faith be a terrible thing to get to the end of our lives and say I gave up the fight I didn't finish my course I quit in the middle of the course I didn't have enough endurance I didn't have enough fight in me and I didn't keep the faith be a terrible thing to end up when we get to the end and have to say that but to those that endure to the end and fight the fight of faith some great blessings and rewards are going to come to us that finish our course and keep the faith amen in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 Um, I want us to know that if you're looking for an example, I know a lot of times people, uh, you know, we people want autographs of famous people who've done famous great things, um, accomplished great things. Uh, but if we're looking for a good example, the greatest example is Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God looking unto Jesus if we're looking for a good example Jesus is the perfect example you can't find a better example there's a lot of a lot of people that have looked to certain examples of maybe stars on a basketball court or whatever might even have a poster of him and then that example fails he's human fails the thing about it is God is our example. Brother Timothy, I don't know if this is off or not, but I might check that. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, when we look to Jesus, uh, that, that phrase, looking unto Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, um, in the New American Standard Version, it translates this way as fixing our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, we can only run the race as we look to Jesus. That's the only way we can really run the race properly. And have our eyes locked onto him, following him, letting him be the lead. The only way you can really live for God is we can't live for God keeping our eyes on everything else. We've got to look to Jesus. He's the perfect example 
of endurance, of, of commitment to you and me, of love, of mercy, the most perfect example. So we can only run the race as, as we look to Jesus and have our eyes locked on him. He is our focus, our inspiration, our example. Our example in the sense that he endured some very tough things that some of us might not be able to go through. I don't know if anybody has ever been through the cross and the beatings and the, and the things that he's been through of people that he loved. That's probably the hardest thing that people turn on him that he loved dearly. And even said as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was an example of mercy and love. But if we want an example of how to live for God, look at, look at Jesus. Most perfect example of endurance. In the ancient Greek, looking unto Jesus uses a verb that implies a definite looking away from other things and a present looking unto Jesus. So when you look at this where it says looking unto Jesus, it in the ancient Greek definition of this phrase, it doesn't just mean look to Jesus. It means look away. And in other words, if you're going to look at Jesus, you got to look away from the other things, the things that are hindering us. Looking away from other things and a present looking unto Jesus. If I'm going to look to Jesus, I've got to turn my eyes away from everything else that's going to hinder my life, my walk with God. You have to do it. We have to do it. I have to do it in this race. Um, when we talk about the eye, um, the, uh, uh, let, me, let me look at the book of Luke, chapter 11, 33 through 36. Listen to what it says here when we're talking about where we look Luke 11, 33 through 36, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but puts it on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. When you, when you put a light out, what good would it do to put it under a bushel? Now, when I think of a bushel, I think of the old wicker bushels. First of all, the candle would catch it on fire, and it would move that bushel out of the way, and then the light would shine. But who, who in their common sense would light a candle and put it under a bushel and hide it? Let me go back here. It says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. The light of the body is the eye, verse 34. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If any man, or if thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. When it talks about the eye, 
the eye is an entrance of things into your soul we have to be careful what we put before our eyes we need to make a covenant with our eyes we're not going to make an agreement make a covenant I'm not going to put evil things before my eyes because it's going to affect my heart my soul my life uh, the light of the body is the eye Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, if you're not looking to Jesus and you're looking at everything else, it's going to feed your soul with some things that it shouldn't be there, and it's going to fill your whole body with darkness. It's important to be careful what you put before your eyes. Look to Jesus looking unto Jesus. This is a very important example of how we can find an example of running in this race and be effective to let the light shine forth out of us, not darkness. The Greek word for looking is a much fuller word than we can find in the English language. It has a preposition in it which turns the look away from everything else. Fix not thy gaze upon the cloud of witnesses. They will hinder you if they take away thine eye from Jesus. There's no one more important than Jesus keeping our eyes on him. Even though we do have the whole cloud of witnesses of people that walked in faith and believed and we've trusted them. Don't put your eyes on them. Put them on Jesus. Look not on the weights and the besetting sin. These you have laid aside. If we keep our eyes on those things, the weights and the sins that said us it's going to destroy us look away from them do not even look upon the race course or the competitors but look to Jesus and so start in the race that was Charles Spurgeon said that think about it a lot of times people are looking around at others running this race you know a lot of people are worried about everybody else in the race don't worry about everybody else concentrate on yourself in this race look to Jesus Look to Jesus. Um, if we're looking around at others, uh, we're going to come up short. But look to Jesus. He's our example. We must guard against seeing Jesus only as an example. He was and is so much more, of course, than just an example. He was God in flesh. But he also remains the ultimate example of our Christian endurance. Now let's think about this. It also says in the scripture he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus not only the author of our faith, he is the finisher of it also. Anybody that has been an author and has wrote a book, they had a thought in mind, they wrote it down, they wrote pages and chapters in a book form of thoughts that came through their, their mind, their heart, their soul. That's what Jesus has done for us. He is the author of our faith. He wrote the book on it. But not only is the, he the author, author that got us started on this, but he also is the finisher of our faith. The scripture fits here the idea of he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord, when we allow the Lord to do a work in us, it has, it has been growing and growing it's not 
uh, it's not, a, well, let me put it this way. It's a good thing if we're walking with God and we're growing in him and we've got our eyes on him. People that have their eyes upon the Lord, I don't worry about because they're going to continue to grow and grow in God. They're walking toward the Lord. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. My intention, my desire, my craving is not to give up in the middle of the race, but I want to make it to the end because that is where the prize is. When I cross the finish line and I step into glory and life on this earth is finished, that is when I get my reward in the Lord. I want to take as many people with me as I can. I want to show as many people as I can the way and let them get started on their race. This is my race, but I want to show them the way to get started in their race. But being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord is not wanting for you to quit, give up, stop. He wants you to make it to the end. Who for the joy that was set before him, it says in the scripture, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, who for the joy that was set before him. You know when Jesus went to the cross? Jesus did not regard the cross in itself as a joy. I don't know of anybody that would. After going through the torment and torture that Jesus went through, I cannot say that it was a joy. I can't say it would be a joy for anybody to go through suffering like that. The beatings crown of thorns on his head the blood running down his hands and feet I can't say any of that would be a joy but there was a joy in Jesus that day the cross in itself wasn't the joy who for the joy that was set before him he knew what was ahead of him what was ahead of him and dying on the cross was that each and every one of us would have an opportunity to be saved. That's what brought the Lord joy as he hung upon the cross. While we were, the Bible says it, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were unworthy, he died for us. But he could look past the horror of the cross and the pain and the suffering of the cross to enjoy the joy that was beyond that. You know what he was looking at? He was looking into the future. He was looking into the future of Brother Luke Williams. He was looking into the future of, of Sister Amanda Williams. He was looking into the future of Sister Sherry Brown. He was looking into the future of, of uh, Sister Devana. He was looking at the future of Sister Debbie, Sister Katie, Brother Raymond. Amen, Brother Eric, Sister Juan, Sister Burke, Jen, Timothy, Sister Debbie, myself. He was looking beyond that cross. It wasn't the cross in itself that brought the joy. He was looking at the day that we would give our heart and life to the Lord. That's what he was looking to. That was the joy that he had as he hung upon the cross. The same mentality will, will enable the Jewish Christians 
and we ourselves to endure to endure the Jewish Christians of that day it was that same mentality that enabled them of an example of Jesus Christ for them to live for God and it's also the same for us to look at what Jesus did he endured the cross to get to the joy that was set before him that's us that's his greatest love his creation souls lives people that he created that he put his own personal breath into he formed us from the dust of the earth breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul he took special attention within inside of you today is the breath of God that's how important you are that's his joy that's what he was looking ahead to the joy of us and the joy of those of that day and the joy of those in the 300 AD and 1200 AD and those in the 1900s or 1800s or 1700s that gave their lives to the Lord and those of this day 2020 that's what he was looking to it was the joy that was set before him and the example that we follow is to follow Jesus Christ and it says here he was despising the shame one of the prominent elements of the torture of the cross was its extreme shame the bible says anything that hangs on a on a tree is a curse that's what it says jesus did not welcome this shame he despised it despised the shame yet he endured through it to the victory because his joy that was set before him was us you me shame shame is a significant trial we find in daniel 12 and 2 it says that shame will be an aspect of the terrors of hell it says and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life some to shame and everlasting contempt i want to be the one that makes it to the end and wakes up in glory it's going to be worth it all it's going to be worth it all you see jesus bore a shameful accusation of blasphemy they called him all kinds of names they accused him of so many different things but he endured that shamefulness of the accusations that were false against him jesus bore shameful mocking jesus bore a shameful beating jesus wore, uh, wore a shameful crown of thorns jesus wore a shameful robe jesus bore shameful mocking even as he prayed on the cross he even endured spitting upon him hitting him with their fist beating him with a whip calling him all kinds of names but he endured it because there was a joy that was set before him that you and me and those that went on before us he did it for us amen so if we want to find an example in running this race look to jesus 
he is the most perfect example of endurance endurance to the end so what should we do today endure to the end because there is a joy that is set before us eternal life in him the things you've seen on this earth cannot compare even to the in the slightest of what heaven is going to be like there's a joy that's set before us there's a joy that's set before us of great glory standing in the presence of the Lord standing before the throne room of God can you imagine the worshipers and the praisers that day and if you want to go I mean that's that's one of the most glorious experiences going to be there the power of of uh, God's spirit moving upon his people and the the, the marriage supper of the lamb and the great victory but when you if you want to go a little further than that can you imagine you know the greatest you know I know that uh, uh, Table Rock Lake is probably one of the greatest lakes in the whole world to me maybe not to you but to me I've got a lot of memories on Table Rock Lake and, and it's a clear beautiful lake but there is nothing in Table Rock Lake that can compare to the lakes and the crystal sea of glory there's nothing that can compare to the blessings and the glory and the, and the wonderful things that are in heaven. Flowers that you see on this earth mean nothing compared to what they will look like in heaven. When you see a beautiful sky and, and, and what it looks like, it's nothing to compare on this earth to what we're going to see in heaven. When you consider that there's no more death, no more pain, no more struggle, no more heartache, uh, no more strife, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a glorious day. Peace, talking about peace, we got some peace here. We enjoy the peace of God, but when we get to heaven, talking about peace, peace talking about joy talking about victory talking about no more struggle thank God for that talking about no more alarm clocks in the morning and going to work oh hallelujah thank you Jesus hey that's enough right there to just go to heaven you know what I'm talking about amen let's stand thank God Thank God that he gives us an example of endurance to the end. Let's lift our hands and thank him here tonight. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for that blessing of the...